so I've been starting to keep track of some intros. Let's start with the first one. This is a Vice article. Less than 7% of the human genome is actually uniquely human, study finds, by Rodmley de Leon. God, what's with these terribly named scientists today? I'm sorry, Rodmley, if I said your name wrong. <laughs> It's going to be and really weird if after this episode we have one less listener every single episode. No, Rod and Malik, come back. <laughs> okay. It's common knowledge that humans share a portion of our genome with Neanderthals, but a new study reports just how much of the human genome is unique to our species and was not inherited from our archaic ancestors. And it's surprisingly little. I don't know if I'm that surprised about that, to be honest. Isn't it like common knowledge that we share like 95% of our DNA with like bananas? What? <laughs> no. <laughs> That is not my common knowledge. That makes me feel uncomfortable. <laughs> How am I so closely related to a banana? I'm going to keep reading while you Google this. How genetically close are we? Do people and bananas? Humans don't share a high percentage of DNA. We also share 85% DNA with a mouse and 61% with a fruit fly. Okay, that's a better way to explain. Okay, yeah. Okay. There's not a lot unique to humans out in that. <laughs> There. I was going to say, bananas make me feel uncomfortable if I'm that closely related to a banana. Researchers have found that only 1.5 to 7% of the modern human genome is uniquely human. This is going to come up a lot in this article, I feel like. This surprisingly small amount accounts for a neural development and function which happened in multiple bursts of adapted changes over the past 600,000 years, according to their findings. The study, which was published in Science Advances on Friday, used an algorithm to build what are known as ancestral recombination graphs of the human Neanderthal and Denisovan genomes that allowed them to pinpoint regions of the DNA that are unique to modern humans. That's a mouthful. That was exhausting. <laughs> Researchers used <laughs> genomes from 279 humans, two Neanderthal genomes, and one Denisovan genome. Looking closer at regions of the DNA that were human-specified, the researchers report that groups of alleles were found to be heavily enriched. I didn't know that word before, just using it right then, if you couldn't tell. <laughs> found to be heavily enriched for genes related to cell adhesion, neuron growth, and synapse assembly. A number of mutations involved in neural cell migration and the clearing of toxic substances from the brain were also found. However, they note that this test did not suggest functional consequences for identified mutations. Any given mutation could be inconsequential or alter the regulation or one or more genes. Lead author Nathan K. Schaefer, a postdoctoral biomolecular engineering student at the University of California in Santa Cruz, told Motherboard in an email. Tying human-specified mutations in those regions to functional changes and it is an exciting next step that will require experiments. The study doesn't say much about what characterizes the genome that is shared with archaic hominin, but Schaefer says this can be difficult to pinpoint. Instead, he referenced other studies that highlighted alleles of genes involved in the immune system that were favored by natural selection in cases of adaptive introgression. There's a lot of big words in this. Yeah, you kind of picked a complex topic, Chelsea. In humans who inherited DNA from air Okay. You know what? All we learned here is that less than 7% of the human genome is actually uniquely human <laughs> study finds. Hey, look and at that. That is my opener. Neat. Yeah. And with that, we've all learned a little something. Chelsea, thank you for that in-depth opener. Let's get on with this episode. Let's do it, please. 
From the unexplained to the mundane, come join us on a journey to the fringe. Hello and welcome to Journey to the Fringe, here to put a face to the abstract, the bizarre, the weird, and of course, the fringe, exclusively in audio form. We are your hosts, Taylor and Chelsea, and today we are talking about... I want to take a slow approach to this topic. We're going to start it off with a headline that I pulled up from 2016. Okay. And it is, Obama says we will visit Mars in his lifetime. Well, that sounds like a pretty confident boast from a man who was president. Of course, not president anymore. How does he know that? Because he was in the moon space program with some other guy. Could it be? (laughs) Could it be that he has been there both in the past and in the future? Oh, good. If you just said, wait, what? Then let me tell you the story of Andrew Baziago. Oh, good. My reaction is, I remember that. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think that's the standard. Unless we've actually... Have we talked about it in an episode before? No, I don't think... We might have? We did talk about it briefly. I think it was on the David Wilcock and Corey Good Because it briefly came up. Because Corey Good said he was in a program or something. Okay. Big. But we don't have to worry about that. No, we don't. So let's just... Let's pretend we don't know who those people are for a little while longer. I am going to talk today about a man by the name of Andrew Baziago. We're going to start off by doing a little bit of his Who the Hell Are You? that he wrote himself. Then we're going to go talk about his history through several different events. And then we're going to talk about what he's been up to in the last little while. Okay, so Obama actually said that we're going to visit Mars in his lifetime. Yeah, okay. th- that's a statement that he made in 2016. Okay, good. I like that sentence. Pretty sus, Obama. Oh, it's very. Who is Andrew D. Baziago? I am taking this right from one of his own websites, projectpegasus.net. Chelsea, just to start this off, I want you to go to projectpegasus.net and tell me what you see. First off, it's a lot fancier than we're used to, right? Yeah, no, this looks pretty official. Project Pegasus US. Am I in the right place? Yeah, read it. Who we call contemporary artist today? Yeah. What? Yeah, so he has not renewed the lease on that site. Okay. So he no longer has this. All the information I got from projectpegasus.net had to be found through the Wayback Machine. Okay, yeah, because this is strictly about art. Here's an art about... Because it is all about art. This one has a nice charcuterie art. <laughs> Makes me hungry. Okay. Okay, so Project Pegasus. Can I leave this <laughs> Yes, you can leave it now. Andrew Baziago, he has many letters behind his name. JD, MCRP, MPhil, which I believe is a Master's of Philosophy. No idea what MCRP is, the JD's Juris Doctor. Uh, 49, so this was written like 15 years ago. The founder and president of Mars and team leader of Project Pegasus is a lawyer, writer, scholar, and 21st century visionary. What? Yes. Who also goes by Andy. Andy is an emerging figure in the truth movement, leading a campaign to lobby the U.S. government to disclose such controversial truths as the fact that Mars harbors life and that the U.S. has achieved, quote, quantum access, unquote, to past and future events. He has been identified as a, quote, planetary level whistleblower, unquote, by the WebBot, which analyzes the content of the World Wide Web to predict future trends. Andy's writing places him at the forefront of contemporary Mars anomaly research. His paper, The Discovery of Life on Mars, published in 2008, was the first work to prove that Mars is an inhabited planet. After publishing this landmark paper, Andy found the Mars Anomaly Research Society 
Sardi. Mars, for short. <laughs> and I just love that he used the acronym Mars and starts it off with the word Mars. <laughs> Which continues to make breathtaking discoveries of life forms and ancient artifacts on Mars. Andy is also one of America's early time-space explorers. In the late 1960s and early 1970s, he was a child participant in the time-space exploration program of the U.S. defense technical community called Project Pegasus. In that capacity, he was the first American child to teleport and take part in probes to past and future events, utilizing time travel technologies, then being researched and developed by the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency. DARPA. For over 10 years, Andy has investigated his experiences in Project Pegasus on a quest to prove them and communicate them to others. Soon he will publish a tell-all book that will describe his awe-inspiring and terrifying experiences in Project Pegasus and the true story of the emergence of time travel in the U.S. defense community 40 years ago. Andy was born on September 18, 1961 in Morristown, New Jersey, the youngest of five children, and grew up in northern New Jersey and southern California. A past member of Mensa, the High IQ Society. He had to add that. Cool. He holds five degrees, including a Bachelor of Arts in History from the University of California at Los Angeles and a Master of Philosophy from the University of Cambridge. While an undergraduate at UCLA, Andy became a journalist and protege of writer Norman Cousins, who compared him to Robert M. Hutchins and nominated him to be the editor of the Bulletin of the Atomic Scientists. He was inspired upon meeting the futurist Buckminster Fuller in 1981 to pursue a career in environmental policy. After they met, Fuller wrote, quote, Andrew Baziago's integrity augurs well for humanity's continuance in the universe, end quote. Andy began his career writing articles about the urban environment for Los Angeles newspapers, national periodicals, and the Coastal Society journal Calypso Log. He studied environmental law at the Northwestern School of Law of Lewis and Clark College in Portland, Oregon, and then went on to design nature-friendly urban plans for cities in California and study environmental law with Professor Malcolm Grant at Cambridge. His papers about urban sustainability have been published in academic journals in Australia, Britain, and the United States, cited widely and placed in the environmental policy collections of university libraries. Andy was admitted to the Washington State Bar Association in 1996. A lawyer in private practice, he works with writers and filmmakers in the development of books, TV shows, and feature films with planetary and interplanetary themes. Recently, Andy edited several leading works related to humanity's contact with extraterrestrial life. He was the editor of Alfred Labramont Weber's book, Exopolitics, Politics, Governments, and the Law of the Universe, which uses as a case study human contact with advanced civilization on Mars. He also edited the Fatima Trilogy by Joaquin Fernandez, Fina de Armada, and other scholars, a definitive history of the Fatima incident of 1917 that explores its extraterrestrial aspects. Andy founded Mars in 2008 after discovering evidence of life in a photograph on the red planet being back to Earth by NASA's Mars exploration rover spirit. He is dedicated to making Mars the leading international organization to research, disclose, and educate the public about life on Mars. And it's kind of hard to explain, but half the time I said Mars there, I'm talking about the acronym Mars, and the other half I mean the <laughs> planet Mars. Really hilarious to say some of those things. Yeah. He has a very interesting background. Yeah. Yeah. Very interesting. And it's incredible some of it. Well, I will get into that. That's what I'm thinking. Most of these people who get into this line of work is just like they kind of like 
were a drifter that kind of like smooth talked their way into whatever they're doing. And this guy actually has some legit stuff mixed in there. Of his founding of Mars, Andy wrote the following. <laughs> I am leading the campaign to achieve... And I... I find it weird because he wrote this, so he's writing in the third person, Andy. I am leading the campaign to achieve political recognition of the fact that Mars is inhabited because we must now enact the international treaty that is required to protect the ecology and civilization of Mars from visitation, exploration, habitation, and colonization by human beings from Earth. We must remember that Mars does not belong to the people of Earth. Mars belongs to the Martians. If we fail to recognize this, then we will fail our first major test of cosmic citizenship. I believe that the people of the Earth are ready for cosmic citizenship and I believe that they are ready for the truth. That's a stretch. Andy is also on a crusade as a lawyer and activist to have the US government disclose its time travel secrets. He believes that lobbying the US government to declassify its secret teleportation capability so that the teleportation can be adopted globally as a new form of civilian transport is the most important environmental cause of our time. He has named his campaign for that, Project Pegasus, after the secret U.S. time travel program that he served in during his childhood as one of America's first chrononauts. It's not very creative. No. Andy has enthralled listeners with his accounts of his time travel experience on numerous radio and podcast interviews, his appearance on talk radios Coast to Coast AM with George Norrie, November 11th, 2009 and November 11th, 2010, were hailed as major disclosure events and were popular broadcasts in the history of that show. And I'm going to end this off with a quote of his as well. Imagine a world in which one could jump through Grand Central Teleport in New York City, travel through a tunnel in time-space continuum, and emerge several seconds later at Union Teleport in Los Angeles. Such a world has been possible since 1967, when teleportation was first achieved by DARPA's Project Pegasus, only to be suppressed ever since as a secret weapon. When my quest, Project Pegasus, succeeds, such a world will emerge, and human beings linked by teleportation around the globe will proclaim that the time-space age has begun. It's already begun, though. That is his explanation of who okay. he is. I just googled Andrew Baziago after the quick Google of Project Pegasus.net. And the exact picture that comes up yeah. just looks like bubbles. <laughs> See, I think his pictures all look like a chubbier version with slightly smaller face of George Washington. Okay, let me go to the other... Okay, I wouldn't have said that, but... Oh, okay, maybe. It was just the one on the landing page that shows him. It looks exactly like bubbles. But he looks different in all the okay. other pictures. <laughs> Is that the one with Pegasus flying behind him? And no, the... he has like bubbles glasses on and his head's like a little bit back with his mouth open in mid-speech. It's not a flattering picture by any means. Okay, I'm not used <laughs> to that picture. That's what comes up when you Google <laughs> So that is a very old biography of his. Like, I think it was written around 2011, mostly because he's talking about writing a book and on the webpage, it says it's going to come out in 2011. Okay. I've tried to find it. As far as I can tell, it never came out. But on Project Pegasus, it does have its own little subheading you can click on. It's supposed to be called Once Upon a Time in the Time Street. And it has this little explanation. Andrew D. Baziago is happy to announce that he will soon be taking a sabbatical from his busy law practice to complete his long-awaited memoir of his experiences in DARPA's time travel program, Project Pegasus. Andy's book, Once Upon a Time in the Time Street, My Adventure, sorry, colon, my adventures in Project Pegasus at the dawn of the time-space age. And that's what? the end of the title. That's the whole title. <laughs> that doesn't seem right. <laughs> 
That's a long title. It will be published in 2011. It will tell the true story of his awe-inspiring and terrifying experience as a child involved in the early years of time-space exploration by the U.S. government. This far, Andy has written 225 draft passages ranging from one page to 20 pages, describing the people, places, technologies, and experiences that he had from 1968 to 1972 as one of America's early time-space explorers. Timestream will also chronicle the amazing odyssey Andy embarked on later in life in search of the truth of his experience. I'm just going to end it there. There's more to it, but he never wrote the damn book as far as I can tell. And we're sitting here 12 years after it was supposed to be done. Can you imagine going to like a law firm and you see this like memoir sitting on the side of this lawyer's desk where you're like about to go to prison or something. You're like, I need your help. And he's like, hold on. I'm just need to finish this last sentence. Yeah. You're like waiting with him because like you're waiting for the guard to go get something. You're in prison and you just ask him like an offhanded question it comes up oh yeah like i used to i'm a chrononaut i used to travel back in time and forward in time as a child for the government (laughs) we can chit chat but i went to the washington state bar association and looked this guy up to make sure like he's actually a practicing lawyer and he was he was active from 1996 until 2018 and i have to assume that he retired at that point so maybe this makes him more credible the weird thing is you know how he's saying in his biography that like environmental Mm. law was a big part of his life it does not say that's an area he practiced he did practice civil litigation so maybe that's where it's caught but he didn't practice that and the other thing I found really weird just from everything that we've just learned about this guy he's never had a disciplinary action brought against him by the Bar Association he might have had complaints against him but they didn't amount to anything so he actually practiced law fairly routinely that's a good thing like a normal person. It does seem weird. It, it just seems weird. It does all. seem weird. <laughs> it just okay. learned. But here we are, a journey to the fringe. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise normal people. <laughs> okay. So he talked about that time frame of 1968 to 1972-ish. Let's look at what he's actually said about it in the past so we can get an idea of what actually took place during this time. So this is from interviews he's done. I I found a transcript. I'm just going to lay out what he said. Project Pegasus was a development program under DARPA that emerged in the middle part of the 1960s. DARPA was serving as the umbrella organization for a multi-agency effort to put every source that would potentially yield a U.S. time-space exploration capability. So the sources there would be ancient. Sources like the Egyptian, Babylonian, Sumerian civilizations experiments with time travel. Foreign technology sources like Nazi Germany and the Soviet Russians. Extraterrestrial sources and also the hidden work of contemporary inventor and physicists like Nikola Tesla and Los Alamos physicists that developed the atomic bomb. I was brought into the program informally in the winter of 1968 when my father took me up to the old Curtis Wright Aeronautical Facility in Woodbridge, New Jersey. I believe he's seven at the time. In one of the buildings, they had a Tesla device that they had prototyped from Tesla's papers that were left at the time of his death on January 7th of 1943. Those papers, as you may know, were sought by two FBI agents, but the War Department got there first. Under the Alien Property Act, they were forwarded to the National Archives in 43, but then when the Manhattan Project was placed in New Mexico in 43-44, his papers were moved to the Los Alamos Scientific Lab, which became the Los Alamos National Lab after our nation's leading atomic bomb institute. So in the winter of 68 trip, my dad took me up to the building, building 68, which was the particularly numbered building where the Tesla device itself, which they had prototyped from Tesla's papers and accidentally discovered was a teleporter. It consisted of two elliptical shaped bombs 
between mm. which a field of energy was broadcast. My father explained when we jumped through the field of energy, we enter a tunnel. It was a bluish white tunnel with sort of holographic walls. When the tunnels closed, we would find ourselves somewhere else in the country. He also explained as we moved through the tunnel that it might begin to compartmentalize and it might be cold through the wall and we would be separated and that in fact is what happened. Our destination was 2,005 miles to the west. They were already using the state of New Mexico in the city of Santa Fe, which is a hodgepodge of buildings at different vantage points, different eras of construction points as the collection point of people teleporting into New Mexico. Later in his life, he also goes on to corroborate the Capitol building as a common location involved in the program from a woman who said she saw people materialize there. He continued this training by traveling just a few hours back in time to get used to the sensation. That's when his training starts at the age of seven. So with that jump, which has been memorialized in the TV show Fringe, I leapt in. <laughs> he likes to say that they're like TV shows too. <laughs> I did a quantum leap to the emerging U.S. time-space program, for which my father was a principal. My dad was a special projects engineer for Ralph M. Parsons' company. Parsons was the principal defense contractor assisting DARPA originally, called ARPA, in its quest to achieve time travel. So over time, he repeated Tesla's teleportation experiments going back into 1899 in Colorado Springs, where my father was an engineer at the Thomas Edison Research Labs in West Orange, New Jersey, where he was employed from 56 to 64. By the mid-60s, my dad was one of the leading experts on Tesla teleportation in the American engineering community. So sometime in the mid-60s, I think it might have been 1966, he was hired by the Parsons Jerdom Company, a subsidiary of Parsons. He essentially became a point man, a dollar a year man, if you will, between Parsons and the CIA on the theory and practice of teleportation. So in this jump of the winter of 68, we arrive in Santa Fe and spent about an hour looking for each other. Then my dad found me and instructed me not to walk around to stay where I arrived. I had been looking for him, so we're sort of walking all over the grounds there in Santa Fe Capitol grounds, looking for each other. He then got an automobile for one of the state buildings. Of course, New Mexico is one big military reservation and has been since the Manhattan Project. We drove from the state capitol grounds there up to the Los Alamos National Labs to meet with Dr. Harold M. Agnew when Harold was the director of the W Division, the weapons division of the labs. And this is where he becomes part of Project Pegasus. That's quite the ride. His dad has been doing that for years. I found it a bit confusing how he described it. It sounds like he was working in the past, but it's. I think what he meant is he just went back in time to like the start of the company that he worked for to see it, despite the fact that he worked there like almost okay. a century. Did his dad actually work for this place or we don't know? I couldn't look okay. that up. Like, it's so long ago that it's actually hard to know. So we're just going on his work. And anyways, this would be like a black book project. Uh, so yes, like okay. it's, it's not something you could really, like, you couldn't FOIA the okay. government. And it's a private corporation. So okay, that makes sense. It seems weird that they're using kids for this, like, travel. Seems as good as the thing as any. <laughs> he explains it. First off, they're smaller, so they're easier to transport. They also, he says that they like using children in experiments because they adapt well to the strains of moving between past, present, okay, and future. Okay, I can see that. I mean, if you're experimenting with children, how reliable are they to, like give you any feedback on anything is what i'd be thinking yeah not reliable at all yeah i know some kids I mean, they just straight make shit up like yeah and you know kids in that prime range yeah age seven to twelve you can't trust them and you got to see some of the things they got this kid doing. Like, first off, so he joins Project Pegasus and they send him to certain important events. He says that he saw the crucifixion of Christ. 
And he described him as having black hair and looking European. <laughs> which <laughs> I just he goes against a lot of things. Black hair, black beard, European. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> he said that on Coast to Coast. Like somebody specifically asked I him. I mean, that. he's he, like, yep, yep, he was European seven looking. Years old at the time. Those, those artists in Europe were yeah. right. I Who mean, thought? if you're a kid, like fucking kids don't know anything. <laughs> Other things, he also went to the Gettysburg Address and saw President Abraham Lincoln. And he says that you can actually see him in a photo of Gettysburg that was taken in 1863. Oh, I saw that. Just if walking just around. Google, it comes up. Yeah, it's the red circle there. That's uh, that's Andy right there. Yeah, I guess we can't say no. It's not. There he is. He would go back to the same time over and over again. He said, like, apparently the three things that they found most interesting to go look at were the crucifixion of Christ, the Gettysburg Address, and Lincoln's assassination those are the things that just people want like to go and see else was of interest okay and he did it a ton so he's like been there a lot he's very familiar with that like literally as one of those time traveling children baziago claims to have traveled to ford's theater on the night of president abraham lincoln's assassination five or six times and was captured in a photograph at gettysburg in 1860 <laughs> i mean if he's there enough <laughs> he also says that he experienced eight different kinds of time travel technology throughout the course of the projects but most instances involved a teleporter based on technical papers supposedly found from Nikola Tesla. Baziago said each of his visits to the past was different. Quote, like they were sending us to slightly different alternative realities on adjacent timelines. As these visits began to accumulate, I ran twice into myself during two different visits, which I didn't see him describe them talking to himself, but apparently he saw himself twice. Okay, so he's bound to show up in a picture somewhere, I guess. <laughs> There's so many of him in the past. Exactly. This was on the Coast to Coast episode. He said he ran into his dad once and his dad was adamant that it wasn't him. It was really weird. <laughs> the story. And being sent back in time to the same place and moment, but from different starting points in the present, allowed two of himself to be in Ford's theater at the same time in 1865. Here's a bit of a quote again. I was sent, for example, to the site of Lincoln's shooting at Ford's Theater. I was sent to Gettysburg, the scene of the Gettysburg Address. And I was sent to George Washington's encampment in Brooklyn Heights above New York Harbor with message from Nixon administration to Washington to retreat his troops from New York Harbor. Now I know that's a tall glass of water to drink, but you're talking to an individual who actually briefed Washington. That was the catalyst that caused him to pick up his troops and retreat about 3,000 men up that grassy swale from New York Harbor up to Brooklyn Heights on the way to Manhattan. And I really like, at this point, the interviewer asked him, like, what would have happened if Washington didn't believe you? He says that I would have been a missing person of the present. We'd be missing people of the present because we'd been sent by the chronovisor holographically, physically, bodily from 1970 to 1776. We could never again be seen in the present. Our death would be explained due to an abduction or just kids going missing yeah. in the woods some accident and we would be dead and buried there in 1776 so they're sending seven to holes oh. on pretty much y suicide yeah, there's missions. a reason for using kids right there <laughs> <laughs> it's easily explained away. He also went to the future. He said he went to the year 2045, where he was transported to a building made of emerald and tungsten steel. There, he was given a miniature canister of microfilm to be brought back to the okay. 70s, which contained a wealth of knowledge of every historical event up until then. Okay, where is this? He lost it because he was seven. Well, no, that's with uh, DARPA. 
like he didn't get to keep it because he's a, a child. You don't trust children with microfilm unless it's in the past right. or the future. Only in the present can they not. But be I trusted. know children, and they lose fucking everything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, Andy, hand over the microfilm. Why? Oh, I. Uh, so why? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I think it's in my other pants. It might be at home. <laughs> But yeah, those are just the highlights, and I have to keep it at highlights because there is actually a lot more to this story that we need to go through. But that's his highlights being in Project Pegasus. And it drove him to create the website and Project Pegasus that he now <laughs> runs. And the mission statement for it is, Project Pegasus is a quest begun in 1968 by Andrew Baziago when he was serving as a child participant in the U.S. Time Space Exploration Program, Project Pegasus. He took it over, right? This guy makes it so confusing. No, this is Project Pegasus that he's doing is a truth movement to bring all this to light. Oh, so it's different. It's like naming your thing Mars and talking about Mars. It's almost like the lawyer did it on purpose. Project Pegasus is to bring a light to Project Pegasus and it's fucking annoying. <laughs> Anyhow, Project Pegasus was the classified defense-related research and development program under DARPA, in which the U.S. defense technical community achieved time travel on behalf of the U.S. government, the real Philadelphia experiment. <laughs> Project Pegasus was launched by the U.S. government to perform remote sensing in time so that reliable information about past and future events could be provided to the U.S. president, intelligence community, and military. It was expected that the 140 American school children secretly enrolled in Project Pegasus would continue to be involved in time travel when they grew up and went on to serve as America's first generation of chrononauts, being time travelers. The children found, however, that in the process of serving as child time travelers attached to Project Pegasus, they became America's time-space pioneers. Andy was the first first American child to teleport and one of America's early time-space explorers, as will be told in his soon-to-be-published book. Oh, no. <laughs> and then he put the title, I'm not fucking reading that again, it's too long. I'm still saving time by explaining that I'm not reading it. <laughs> In 1968, he resolved to one day tell the true story of his time travel experiences in Project Pegasus and reveal to the world that the U.S. government had made secret a teleportation technology that, if made public, would revolutionize transportation across the face of the planet. Today, Andy serves as the team leader of the new Project Pegasus and the only group in the world that is lobbying the U.S. government to declassify its time travel secrets. Under Andy's leadership, the mission of today's Project Pegasus is to lead the campaign in law, politics, and culture to urge the U.S. government to disclose its teleportation capability so that this revolutionary technology can be used to advantage humanity in the 21st century. Andy envisions a world in which teleports will replace airports for real-time transit between major transport hubs around the world, thereby making long-distance travel faster, easier, safer, and cheaper. The declassification and deployment of the U.S. government's teleportation capability may also be the most important environmental cause of our time, for it will prevent billions of tons of pollutants from conventional transport from entering the atmosphere every year. Project Pegasus invites you to join Andy in his heroic quest to usher in time-space age. Together, we can transform life on Earth. Let's go for it. It's a little ridiculous that he took the same name as the project he was once a so that's the Project Pegasus part, which you probably noticed. There's absolutely no mention of Barack Obama in that. No. That would be, of course, the second half of his involvement, which isn't, as far as I can tell, it's not time travel. It gets really confusing. 
Oh, it's only a little confusing right now. So there's the second half, and these are statements that he's made. This comes from an article on ExoPolitics. He got brought up earlier. But on August 21st, 2011, Mr. Baziago stated, quote, something highly significant has happened. That is that two individuals from the same Mars training class in 1980 have met and are comparing experiences and are able to corroborate not only that they were on the surface of Mars together, but that before reaching Mars via jump rooms that that they were trained with a group of teenagers that included the current president of the United States, Obama, and the director of DARKA, Dugan. In a statement made September 20th, 2011, so I don't know why, this is how the guy explains it, this is all one article, but like, Baziago just makes statements, and they're like a month apart. This is his next one. He confirmed Mr. Obama's co-participation in the 1980s Mars training class, stating, quote, Barry Sotero, a student at Occidental College, was in my Mars training class under Major Ed Dames. You might recognize that name from Project Stargate, because it came up there. At the College of the Siskius in Weed, California, 1980. That fact has been corroborated by one of my other classmates, Brett Stillings. His name does come up in here. I'm just going to stop this quote right now. No idea who the fuck that is. I googled him. I went on every search thing I could. Can't find any information about the guy other than this article. Oh, weird. Okay. Like his name comes up in corroborating his story, but that's it. That's all I can find. And there so are other really, news articles. That says to that. me that it doesn't really corroborate shit. <laughs> Yeah. Two years later, when he was taller, thinner, more mature, a better listener, using the name Barack Obama, and attending a different college, Columbia University, we crossed paths again in Los Angeles. And I didn't recognize him as the person that I had been trained with in the Mars program and encountered on the surface of Mars. In fact, doing so would have been virtually impossible in any case, because measures had been taken to block our later memories of Mars shortly after we completed our training in 1980. Mr. Baziago states that during one of his trips to Mars, via jump room that took place from 1981 to 1983, he was sitting on a wall beneath an arching roof that covered one of the jump room facilities as he watched Mr. Obama walk back to the jump room from across the Martian terrain. When Mr. Obama walked past him and Mr. Baziago acknowledged him, Mr. Obama stated, with some sense of fatalism, now we're here. Mr. Stillings states, that during one of his visits to Mars, he walked out of the jump room facility and encountered Mr. Obama, standing beside the facility by himself, staring vacantly into a ravine located adjacently to the facility. The first-hand eyewitness testimony of Mr. Baziago and Mr. Stilling as to the existence of a secret U.S. presence on Mars that is made possible by a revolutionary jump room technology that has been concealed from the public is congruent with similar accounts given by three other Mars whistleblowers. Former U.S. serviceman Michael Ralph, who spent 20 years as a member of the permanent security staff of a U.S. facility on Mars. Former Department of Defense scientist Arthur Newman, who has testified publicly that he teleported to a U.S. facility on Mars for DOD projects meetings. And Laura Magdalene Eisenhower, great-granddaughter of U.S. President Dwight D. Eisenhower, who in 2007 refused a covert attempt to recruit her into what was ascribed to her as a secret U.S. colony on Mars. What? Yeah, these are all people who have said that there's a Mars program. Huh. which um, I think we might have to do just an episode on the Mars program at a future date. Uh, this is just on Baziago because, man, I find this guy so weirdly interesting. And then this is included in the article, and I just... Mars researchers, including physicist... And how do you think that statement ends, Chelsea? <laughs> uh, which physicist would be talking about this? Physicist. 
I don't know. Why David Wilcock, of course. Oh no. <laughs> yeah. How did he become a physicist? I don't fucking know. <laughs> but he shows up. Mars researchers, including physicist David Wilcock, estimate no. that as a result of the <laughs> jump room technology that Ralph Baziago, Newman, and Stillings have described, the US colony on Mars that Eisenhower was invited to might number up to five hundred thousand oh, no. individuals. I was like, wow, they just named actually some people if they're coming out and saying that this program exists. And then out comes that fucking physicist. That fucking physicist. <laughs> First time I've actually ever heard him described as a physicist. No, never once did that come up. <laughs> So yeah, that's the story behind the Mars portion of it. The Mars jump room that they keep talking about is conveniently located near LAX at 999 North Sepulveda Boulevard in a Hughes aircraft. Oh, you got the address, Dave. Yeah, so it's right there. If anybody wants to go check it out, please don't, please don't, because that might have some liability on us. I've been following the Alex Jones stuff. We should not tell our fans to go investigate stuff. (laughs) And then William B. Stillings also made this statement. I can confirm that Andrew Baziago and Barack Obama were in my Mars training course in summer 1980 and that during the time period 1981 to 83 I encountered Andy Courtney M. Hunt of the CIA and other Americans on the surface of Mars after reaching Mars via the jump room in El Segunda, California. And do you know what's fantastic? What? The White House actually officially made a statement on this, stating that Barack Obama never went to Mars. Quote, only if you count watching Marvin the Martian. I don't believe them. Tommy Vietter, the spokesman for the National Security Council. No. So (laughs) that's uh, not good enough. So from that, we get his Mars project. So you can go to marsproject.net now, Chelsea. And now you actually get to see his website. And my God, tell me what you see. Probably something pretty spectacular. Do we spell Mars like the regular Mars? Sorry, projectmars.net. And now you get to see one of his websites. Okay, now I'll really see it. Oh, this, I don't like this website. Why is George Norrie here? I, I would like to point you to the top right corner where you see a photo of Mr. Baziago. That's the one where I think he looks like George Washington. It might a be just bit, the, the first lips. Yeah, and the quote says there's life on Mars. Andrew, Andrew Baziago. <laughs> and what is this turtle in the upper left? That is his trips, he explains to Mars, was to make the fauna of Mars accustomed to humans. So they're like literally just walking around the colony there. Okay, that's weird. And he believes that Mars is in fact full of life and he wants the United Nations to acknowledge it. Sorry, I should actually say the Mars mission statement is right on their website. I wrote it down. Okay. This is their mission statement. I am leading the campaign to achieve political recognition of the fact that Mars is inhabited because we must now enact the international treaty that is required to protect the ecology and civilization of Mars from visitation exploration, habitation, and colonization by human beings from Earth. We must remember that Mars does not belong to the people of Earth. Mars belongs to the Martians. If we fail to recognize this, then we will fail our first major test of cosmic citizenship. I said this earlier, but it makes more sense here. I believe that the people of Earth are ready for cosmic citizenship, and I believe that they are ready for the truth. He publishes a lot of papers, and by publishes and papers, I means he writes these papers and then asks the National Geographics to publish them. I don't think they've ever published anything he said. Sorry, I have to ask. If you scroll 
all the way down, there's like, that's not even a unicorn. That's a horse with angel wings. Oh, that one. Cory Wolf. Cory yeah. Wolf. Who the fuck is Cory Wolf? If you go to that webpage, I still don't fucking know. But he, <laughs> I think he did this? art in Hollywood. Yeah. This? Children's art. This is no, not the only weird advertising we're going to be getting into. Trust me. Um, This is super weird. It is just weird. <laughs> that is a weird horse, is it not? Yeah. Like, it's a Pegasus. It's on the wrong of his websites. Like, it should be on the Project Pegasus page. But that's Cory Wolf. Right above it is another advertisement. Get the original Amethyst Infrared Biomat and start improving your health today. Yeah, that's there too. Okay, this that's weird. Charles, can I send you to, it's the fourth heading from the bottom on the left, to the Mars store and tell me what you oh, see. Oh yeah, okay, that was my next coffee mug. It is, that's the hold only on. thing. Hold on a second, I clicked on the coffee mug and now I don't know where I am. Yeah, I know, it doesn't take you to his stuff. The, apparently the only thing he has is a coffee mug, which has that logo of the turtle thing with Mars underneath it. I can't buy it though, even if but I you can to. instead just donate and become a member. Which I don't understand what this is. You can either become a lifetime member or an annual member. It's $100 for the lifetime membership or $25 for the annual membership. This is a... And I don't understand what you get from it because everything on the website is free. It doesn't even tell you. No, it does not tell you under lifetime membership what you get with that. No, and you got to send it in check form. Like they don't have any way maybe, to accept payments Maybe you on the just website. add it to your signature on email. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Lifetime member Mars. Okay, so lots of dead ends. And you can see there in the bottom left that also they do have a companion website, projectpegasus.net, that they haven't renewed that license. So it is now that painting. Well, thing. it says copyright 2009, so it just seems like it's been abandoned. It's still paid for. Yeah, this one's still paid for. Weird. I guess they got enough lifetime members. It's so going, yeah, I guess that's what it was yeah. used for. Okay. That's the Project Mars thing. If you click on the Annals of Mars page, that's where all of the papers are. And basically what the papers are, are just basically him showing pictures of things that he thinks he sees life on Mars. Okay, so nothing great. Oh yes, I see that here. A close-up of a glass tube on Mars. <laughs> Yeah. This one's just like There's pixels. one about the goblin walking on Mars. <laughs> this one's literally pixels. You cannot see shit on it. This is I mean what I don't know what I was expecting. So this guy is insane, at least from my understanding of the definition. Okay. Fair enough. Lacking sanity. But still practicing law <laughs> yeah. until 2018. Do you know the last thing that he kind of does during his law career? Do you know what he does? What? He runs for president. Right. I was going to bring that up if it didn't come up. He ran for president in 2016. Obviously, we went on a different timeline than the one where he wins. And this is a big thing. I need to read you because the website is still up. Chelsea, I'm also going to send you there. Andy2016.com. This is still up too. Can I just add most of the stuff from his papers that he was writing is he takes an image and then he just zooms in on something that's so yeah, and it's so pixelated, you can't see <laughs> yeah, shit. 
So Andy 2016 is still up and running. Okay, here we are. It's a WordPress website, and I'm just gonna read it for you, whoever, everybody oh, at this home. This is very bad. Only the homepage is still there. There used to be more, but I can't seem to find it in any way. Andrew D. Baziago is a prominent figure in the truth movement. For more than 10 years, he has shared with the American people the true facts of our great nation's accomplishments in time travel and Mars visitation. He has done so as one who has served bravely in the two secret U.S. defense projects in which time travel on Earth and voyages to Mars were first undertaken. As a result of his courageous advocacy as a crusading lawyer, Andy is credited with ending the time travel and Mars cover-ups by the U.S. government on behalf of the American people. Oh, that's so nice of him. Yes, this arduous work in the vineyards of the truth movement. I find that such a weird term. The vineyards of the truth movement. It needed some pizzazz. Represented historic breakthroughs and America's understanding of our past and our prospect for the future. Today, Andrew D. Baziago is running for president of the United States with a new agenda for a new America. He has vowed that if elected president, he will lead the American people into a bold new era of truth reform and innovation as great as they are great. <laughs> yeah, that's how it, like, I'm not reading that wrong, <laughs> no, right? Chelsea, you're following sure along, right? That right there. Join us in supporting Andy in his quest to establish a presidency as honest, just, and ingenious as American people. That's his dance. He's apparently has a hundred point program that isn't on there anymore. So I couldn't tell you a hundred point program. I'm sure one of them. Yeah. Is declassifying the time travel and teleportation stuff. Chelsea, can you tell me about the thing that's just in the middle of those two paragraphs? Oh, it was like ads. I just closed the tab. I should have known better. Don't close it. There's more I need you to do here too. Ads looking for guidance. Oh, that's the bottom. Fun friends and love personal. It's right in the middle of his presidential yeah. homepage campaign. <laughs> and that Chelsea, the very last word, like you see American people on the first paragraph, last words. Yeah. I want you to highlight those words and to continue to pull your mouse right after that. What? Cam girls? Yeah. How did you find that? I was copying and pasting it into my script. Oh, you can click it. And I was like, yeah. Oh, don't click it. <laughs> I would not recommend <laughs> clicking it. But no, you can do that in several spots on his webpage. That's, oh. If you just highlight the whole thing, oh you start to see all the secret things. Mormon boys? Yeah. Mormon girls. Peter Fever. What? This is... Yeah. For those of you who can't see what we're doing, I just said out loud all the words you can actually see on this webpage. But if you highlight, apparently there's stuff that is the same color as the background. the same color as the background. And it yeah. says at the end, very like immediately after the last words of the first paragraph, it says free sex chat. Oh my God, there's more here. Gay chat. Yeah, there's adult cams before the start of the second paragraph. There is gay chat immediately after the, the end of Did, the first paragraph. Is this paragraph. written somewhere? Were you just like highlighting as I do when you read? Highlighting, reading. No, I was highlighting to copy and paste. And then I was like, where else is this? And uh, if you pull to the very bottom is all those different weird points. Like it says, young perps, Latin yeah. lesh, family dick, Asians 24-7, family lust, finish him, chat hostess, gay Asian network, Peter Fe <laughs> <laughs> And yeah. I don't know what to think. This is super weird. And you don't see it otherwise. It's hyperlinks that are like same color as the background. White. 
And I, I'm not clicking on them. I'm just going to straight up say <laughs> that. Do you, you want to go to Andy 2016 and look on those? All the power to you. I'm yeah, not and, and a big majority of it is towards the bottom where it's just blank space. Like you would never otherwise think there's so weird. Fucking Andrew Baziago. That makes me want to go do it on the other webpage. I didn't do it on the other webpages. I don't know what would happen. Like, just straight up saying that. Okay. You yeah. can continue. I'm going okay. to go investigate. I talked about how, like, the legitimacy of him being a lawyer is out there. And he's never had a disciplinary action brought against him. But if you go to his legal profile on that page, he has his website listed as andy2020.net. But I cannot get to this webpage for the life of me. I've tried just clicking on it. I've tried the Wayback Machine. I can't tell. It doesn't seem to have ever existed from how it works. But he put it as his website for practicing law. Like, so fucking weird. Okay, do we know that he actually... No, did we talk about what he actually practiced? He had an interest It in... says right on his profile that he practiced administrative regulatory law, banking, civil litigation, civil rights, criminal disability, dispute resolution, estate planning, probate, wills, family foreclosure, general insurance, litigation, personal injury, and torts. He also is a sole proprietor. Like, he just does this on his own. And I think it's on my phone I found this. He did a fundraiser for his presidential campaign. No, I don't. He did shirts. And um, Chelsea, have you found his LinkedIn profile? No, I was looking for it because I was kind of, as we were going, I was kind of like, hmm, where is this guy today? Okay, there's two Andrew Baziano. You're going to know which one. Yeah. Oh, here he is. Yeah. He's for sure <laughs> yeah. this guy. So he was selling um, his t-shirts with that logo of the Pegasus flying in the stopwatch in the corner and like wormhole behind him. Oh no, this is like one of those like weird wolf t-shirts. And I wish I could find that page again. He doesn't have many followers. And he's still, it looks like he's still working as a lawyer. Oh, I, here it is. Custom ink. Chelsea, I need to just post this to you. This was this fundraiser for his 2016 campaign. It, this is actually giving me the like heebie-jeebie. Yeah, it's so weird. There's something about this that is so weird. Oh, he didn't raise that much money. No! Like, it was $20 a shirt, and he sold 45 of them. I mean, them. good for him. He did raise a little bit. The weirdest thing, though, his goal was 75 so at most, he was going to raise $1,500. I gotta highlight everything. <laughs> the supporters left messages underneath if you go look at them. I love truth. It's about time for the truth to come out about our history and technologies that have been withheld from the people who paid for them. Not to mention none of the mainstream candidates are worthy of the office for president of the United States. That part is actually fairly true. Honesty. But yeah, like, it's so weird looking into this stuff, hey? It gives me the creeps. It started out really good. I was like, okay, he's a lawyer. Like, usually when somebody, like, has some good credentials behind them, it makes them a little bit more believable yeah. than someone who did, like me. I would not be a believable, like, disclosure person. Uh, I don't, it was those hidden things on that one website that, that started giving me the creeps. And then I found an article that came out when he started running for president in 2016. And this is a quote that he's been said to, like, because he worked in time travel, he said, I have prior knowledge that not only will I run for president, but that during one of the elections, 
which would have to be between 2016 and 2028 because I'm not running past that. I'm either elected president or vice president. So that's a statement he's made. And then it seems as if he's just dropped off the map. See, that's what I thought. You just wait until I'm done quoting from this article. I'm looking no, Chelsea, everywhere. Chelsea, don't, don't look anymore because I don't want to spoil the surprise that I found. Okay, I'm not finding him anywhere though. <laughs> So he's a lawyer from Seattle who claims to have traveled in time and launched an independent campaign for the presidency of the United States. He adds, just for good measure, that this information comes from people with careers associations in the CIA, so it's pretty solid. Baziago has seen great leadership in action. He says he once traveled back in time to 1863 and witnessed Abraham Lincoln's speech at Gettysburg. He also says he's been to the future, 2054 specifically, so he has a notion of the historical pitfalls a commander-in-chief must avoid. One could even argue that his sojourn on Mars in 1981 is relevant foreign relations experience. After all, there were aliens. Baziago says he has had conversations with both President Bush's, President Clinton, and President Obama literally decades before they served as president because that they would have been told by the time travel people that they would become president. Yeah, I, I take it. Oh, okay, he was told he was going yes. to be president. Although he says time travel for every citizen will create a universe way too chaotic, Baziago believes everyone should have access to teleportation. It would solve many of our transportation shortcomings. It really would, though. Not lying. Yeah, and then... <laughs> I found that so weird. I could find nothing about his 2020 campaign, despite the fact he apparently thought about creating the website at least because he put it on his legal profile. And then I accidentally clicked into one of his Facebook groups. I believe it was the Pegasus Project. And Chelsea, now I need you to go to timetravelcon.com. Con being like short for convention. Yeah, I also noticed that any of the links on his Mars website are dead yes. links. Even yes. the Facebook one. Oh, wow. This is for sure a time travel con. Yeah. And look at the date of time travel con. My time travel begins now. <laughs> Apparently. 2023. Uh, what? Yeah. He was part of Time Travel Con, yeah, a webinar, basically, that was hosted on January 14th, 2023. We just missed it. Yeah. What? I can't find anything about him anywhere. I know. Other than if you search him, like, the last thing he does is run, like, put his hat in for president in 2016. Yeah. And then I infer he retired in 2018 from law, although his LinkedIn says he's still practicing, that it says he's not on the Washington State Bar Association page. And then Chelsea, this gets even more bizarre. So if you go look, tickets are 20 bucks. They only sold a hundred of them. I mean, have you looked at who is speaking here? I feel like I'm just getting the creeps looking at the people yeah. who are speaking. <laughs> They're giving off super But like, there vibes. are six speakers. They charge guys? 20 bucks for 100 tickets. So at most, this thing made two grand. But it also says, if you look at the schedule, there was an after party with raffle and sponsor gifts. Yeah, listed prizes coming soon. So I guess it was sponsored, I but mean, I can't see literally any sponsorship on the webpage at all. No. And this at most brought in two grand. And like there's six speakers. One of them is the person who put this all together. And then... Where was this even held? Zoom. Oh, uh, it was a Zoom. Yeah, because my guess is, is they wanted to stop David Wilcock from setting up a booth just outside. <laughs> yeah. Because you can't so do that on the internet. 
But this is where my journey ended. Apparently he just had a time travel convention that was completely unannounced and only 100 people could go to. If you cannot access the live Zoom webinar, you have to wait to watch them posted for replay. 99% of connection issues are generated at the attendee user end and we can't help you. This is, you've really blessed us with something here. I'm really not sure what it is that you've blessed us with. At this point, I completely got lost <laughs> in what I should be doing with this guy. Like he, he's probably <laughs> running in 2024. So I guess we might have an update coming soon on that. But like, I don't see this guy winning in the next five years. No, this is super strange because no, and for him to run and then just drop off the face of the planet, like maybe he he did become one of those boys that just got dropped off in the forest and you never heard from again. Maybe, but if you look at Coast loop. to Coast, like he has been on somewhat recently. He was last on 2018. So like after his presidential run, yeah, that's probably the most recent thing, other than the time travel. Yeah. This is How would we contact him at work if we needed to find a lawyer? It's right on his legal page. Like, if you need to, it's right there. He is, okay, he is currently practicing. No, he's not. It clearly huh. says, like, um, eligible to practice. No. He's not. And everything else lines up because he's called to the bar in 96. He's not licensed. Yeah. He's inactive. So obviously his LinkedIn's not up to date. But either. he's still alive because he just did that. Oh, right. Okay. I got really confused, so I... I I thought how to end this episode and I was like well I think we just need to say Andy I don't think you're gonna be president despite what the CIA told you maybe there's another avenue for you and I wrote this commercial just for you have you inadvertently entered a time differential and had one or more of your extremities fused with an inanimate object has father time left you unable to perform actions you once thought were easy and with uncomfortable aches and pains throughout your body was your youth stolen from you have past events led you to mental duress, knowing you do not inhabit your best timeline? Has Barry Sotero hurt you? Then you may be entitled to compensation. Contact the chrono attorney, Andrew Baziago, attorney at time. By 2018, he and his chrononaut team have over time to the power of four experience and will fight to get you what you are entitled to. Works on contingency? No, money down. So I think he just missed the opportunity that he's actually looking for. Andy, if you abandon, actually, no, I kind of want to see your presidential campaign. If you run your presidential campaign, please keep us in the loop and you're free to use that advertisement. <laughs> and with that, this <laughs> episode generous. is strangely coming to an end. So, yeah. I am speechless. Thank you for blessing us. I feel like I'm going to have nightmares tonight for some reason. Did that surprise you? Like, how, how is it sitting with you now that you did the research on this? I knew I was coming late to the ball game, so I wasn't expecting to find anything. And then every single thing I found just kept making it weirder. Yeah, the start did not, I did not envision this going where it did. Yeah, but I'm going to keep my eyes on Coast to Coast to see if he's coming on in the next little while, because this is kind of prime time to start announcing for a presidential run in a year. It is, and it's also super weird that that's his intention, but there's nothing to be found of him. I'm also 
kind of torn on whether or not to um, contact him. Like, ask him if he's okay. <laughs> no, ta- I want to know. Because he does do um, media availabilities. But I kind of like the potential more than actually talking to him. I always like the curios to be there. I don't want that veil dropped. Yeah, that's true. And he writes, like, if you click on research papers on his Mars website, like, there's 136 research papers. Yeah, but Chelsea, like, each of those are a page, and they're like, oh, this thing looks like a a gremlin or a turtle. It's true. It's not great research, but there's a lot of it. (laughs) Okay, well, uh... Thank you. Like, that was out of... I didn't even expect that we were learning about this guy today. And I'm more confused having heard of him now. Yeah. And like all of our good episodes, does this guy even really exist? Because I don't fucking know at this point. I don't think he does. And if any of our listeners want to get us an Andy 2016 A Time for the Truth shirt, I think we would appreciate it. (laughs) Yeah. It's vintage now. Okay. So that's that's an episode. Uh, if you, I guess you can call it that. <laughs> that is an episode. I've been Taylor here with Chelsea. We are Journey to the Fringe. Sorry for haunting your dreams. Thank you all for listening, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Thank you for listening to Journey to the Fringe. If you have liked what you have listened to, please like, share, subscribe, or follow, depending on what venue you are listening to us through also please if possible leave a five-star review as that really helps us in the algorithms should you wish to interact with us please check us out on your social media of choice i bet you we are there and if you really want to communicate with us and give us ideas for new episodes or tell us that we're wrong and terrible either way please send us an email at journey to the fringe at gmail.com for now i'll see you in the next episode hey.